If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to It's Your Voice, the show that hosts enriching conversations in diversity. My name is Bahia Yaksan. I am a core alignment coach, an emotional wisdom training specialist, and a diversity, inclusion, and equity educator. And I am so honored and fortunate to be able to host a conversation every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time and W4CY to hear and learn about someone else's life, someone else's background, someone else's story, expanding my understanding of human beings in the world, and just learning more about other ways of being. Today, I the title of the show is Follow Your Dreams. And before I introduce our guests, I want to mention I have a website called knowwhatyouwantcoaching.wordpress.com. If you're interested in looking at some of the programs I design as a diversity educator and a core alignment coach, much of my classes are around recognizing our biases and learning how to step out of patterns of biases that we've learned, internalized, and we wanted to learn uh, negative uh, biases, um, but it's kind of part of our culture and um, we can certainly unlearn them and create new patterns of thinking that are much more inclusive and create more belonging for everyone. And to me, that's happiness. That's happiness when everyone in the room is seen and heard and feels like they belong. And that actually is how I felt when I stepped into the beautiful design shop of our guest today. Her name is Jeannie Jong Nishikawa. I'm learning to say that correctly. Um, beautiful name. And she is a fashion designer and an author. And I got to meet her by uh, just, it was just kind of amazing alignment and a, a great privilege. I had the privilege of being in a position to find someone to help fix my daughter's dress. And we were, thought we were out of luck. Um, it's a rare opportunity to even consider doing something like that. And uh, in a panic and, um, I thought, oh yes, do what my children tell me to do, which is Google. And I found this amazing person around the corner within five minutes of where we lived, who miraculously pulled together an incredible reshaping of a dress that was just a part of why we were impressed by her. So um, let's bring her in and then you can uh, see yourself. So Jeannie, welcome to the show today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. And I just want to say a little bit more about how, honestly, the second we stepped into your shop, which where you are sitting now, which is really lovely to see in the background, um, you were just so immediate, immediately welcoming. My daughter was just was just mentioning how like immediately the 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 atmosphere you create, it's it's as if you had invited us to come in for you know 
tea and as if you'd known us <laughs> for years. And then, uh, and she also said, and, and within 10 minutes, she figured out exactly what should happen to the stress. Like your, your designing ability is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on several things with you because you're also an author, but I thought it might be first um, to start with how did you, how did design come into your life? How did you become a designer and why did you choose designing fashion? Hmm. Well, I grew up on a farm and since I was four years old, my mom taught me how to sew. Mm. And so something that I was, I mean, she, my mom made everything. She knitted our hats to sweaters, to jackets, even socks. Um, so I just thought it wow. was so amazing. Um, and she even taught me how to plant linen or flax seeds from mm. seeds to production. I remember wow. sitting and she would like produce yarn and I have to um, open my hands and, um, and watch her do that. Um, but it's just something that I didn't know anything better. I just did it. Um, but when I was 10 years old, um, I knew that I wanted to be a designer. Yeah. Wow, at age 10. Mm -hmm. So she made everything from your hats to your socks, everything. virtually. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. that so. is so rare. What, can, may I ask where that was? In South Korea. In South Korea, okay, you had mm -hmm. a farm. And was the farm, did you say it was flax? Flax, I mean, we grew many things, but um, okay. flax, these are linen or hemp. We also did hemp. Um, wow. Hemp fiber, that's right. We boiled it and stripped the, the stem and weaved them. So even uh, hemp as well. So that, that was the main production were, were, were different types of fiber? Um, I would say we did more hemp than linen. Um, it's something that we did in our culture. As soon as you're born, you need to uh, learn to sew or weave and sew and make a hemp of clothing for your burial. So it's the minute you're born, you are planning your death, which is kind of strange, but mm. we are taught to weave. Um, well, we have the men's quarter and women's quarter and women get together and sew weave and embroider i mean we did a lot of things so it's just something that came natural to me and i just loved it and you're around surrounded by happy people <laughs> so and then when i think of sewing and that's probably why I'm, i have this design studio i mean i don't need to work i don't need to do this but my mom passed away eight years ago and i just feel um, connected to her and i feel like she's with me so that's probably why I continue to do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so fun to um, work with each bride because the, I mean, I design custom wedding dresses, but I also um, redesign. I have brides coming in with their mother's or grandmother's uh, other's wedding dresses, and I redesign it to more of a modern style, or I alter them, and I try to make each bride as if, I'm making a custom dress for them. And so it's just so fun to work with the brides. Who wouldn't? I mean, it's so whimsical and all these dresses are so pretty. And I've been doing this <laughs> since 1991 and I have done thousands of wedding dresses. Wow. Fun. Wow. <laughs> it's probably impossible to keep um, a photo of every one you do, but do you have, do you do some kind of recording all the, the different alterations and designs you've made? Mm -hmm. I, whenever I have time, but right now I've, I've been so busy, but I have an Instagram. So I post whenever my clients uh, send me their professional wedding photos, then I try to um, post them. But right now I'm, I'm really behind because I had to finish from January 3rd to January 31st of this year, 31 wedding dresses came in. And um, I had to finish almost, yeah, 70 by end of June. And now I'm, I have 54 wedding dresses that have to be done by end of October. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Wait a second. Was that, that was more than one a day in January? Yes. Re wow. I mean, just about uh, 31 wedding dresses came in this year. So it, it broke wow. record. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. And I'll just say out loud your Instagram for anybody listening now. 
at designed underscore by underscore genie and that's mm -hmm. j-e-a-n-n-i-e and thank you for the banner dj at designed underscore by underscore genie wow oh so you have some photographs on there and that's also how people can contact you mm -hmm. yes. wow so that is fascinating i i, I kind of want i i did not know that um the the, the cultural practice of what after you're born, you're taught these skills right away from a very early age. Mm -hmm. And you, you're with women if you're female and you're with men mm -hmm. if you're and male. Mm -hmm. And you are, how, how do you start? What is like the, I don't know if you, if you think of it as training, but what is the, what's the guidance about how you start thinking about your own death and designing Clothing for your own death. I, I'm fascinated at such a young age. How how is this idea introduced you? In in our culture, uh, we call it a young bond burial uh, process, and I cover that in one of my chapters in my book. Young bond means uh, noble family, and we have servants too. But the servants usually helps a lot. They work in the fields, but the nobles um, have women and men's quarter. And by the time you're um, seven years old, the uh, boys and girls has to be separated. Just as the cucumber flowers on the seventh day knows that it's going to produce, because there's a male and female differences even in um, plants and animals. I don't know if you knew that, even trees. Mm -hmm. And so on the seventh, um, I'm sorry, on the seventh year, uh, we are separated from boys go to boys section and the girls goes to the women's section. And that's what my mom told me. The cucumber flowers even know that, that you're a boy or you're a girl. And by so you can even sleep together in the same room. It has to be separated. Um, and then it's just something my mom told me is that the linen or the hemp fiber uh, makes you because when you die, you go back to the natural stage, going back to the earth, which we call it Adam Adame which means earth. And then you go back and you become a fertilizer or whatever. And my mom mm -hmm. said that the hemp fiber breaks down your body faster mm -hmm. is what she told me. So we want to make sure we bury the um, deceased person. Well, we have to bury them within two hours. Um, we yeah. have to clean them in warm water from head to toe. And then we put socks and um, gloves. And of course you make these throughout your stages of your life. And, Many mm. babies uh, didn't make it to their hundredth day, Aww. so they have to make these type of things. And you wrap them. Well, for babies, they wrap them in the hemp or linen fiber, and then you put them in a, a pottery, and then you flip them and you bury it so the animals don't um, dig and get the babies. Mm. And so you, yeah, you make a hat, your gloves, and you. Um, put their clothes and you uh, tie them in seven sections, starting with the neck all the way down to the feet. Hmm. And so these are some of the things. And then the final stage is the blanket and you wrap it and you tie them. And then you put them in an untreated um, pine casket. And hmm. we cannot mix two woods or meadow and wood. It has to be untreated pine casket so that you go back to the earth and fast. So it'll decompose completely. Mm -hmm. So this is something that my mom taught me and talked about it. So yeah, the dying is part of life. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so I'm not, and so we were taught not to be afraid of dying, because it's just part of nature. So, and it goes with sewing. So I just feel blessed to um, learn to sew and to be around my mom and. I miss her very much. Mm. Yeah. What a, a beautiful and real, tangible way to stay connected mm -hmm. to her. So I still feel like she's with me because I'm half of her, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's still alive through me. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I just remember when I sometimes get challenged with certain, it's really rare to, for me to be challenged with difficult um, garment. I mean, your daughter's dress was a little challenging, as you, you recall. Um, but I just remember what my mom said to do. So it just sometimes I'm like, hey, mom, what should I do? And within a few minutes, it just comes naturally for me to know what to do. It's just it's just a, something 
very natural for me to do. Do you see it? Do you see, like, do you actually see it visually in your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's a big, even uh, designing, uh, drafting a pattern uh, between men and women are so different too. Um, So I just could visualize um, just really nothing that's new designing to me. It doesn't matter what um, nationality or culture you're from. The men and women's uh, body forms are different. Men's shoulders are a little broader than women. Women's necks are a little more thinner. Um, And then we have the chest, so we design it a little different. So you just draft a pattern. Um, I don't know. It just comes natural to me. (laughs) Just watching my mom how to do things. Um, So she was my teacher. Um, Even two months before she passed away, she would sit across the room. She's like, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, mom, how can you see? (laughs) Uh, I was working on a one men's jacket, uh, shortening of the sleeves. And I was in a hurry. So I was kind of doing it really fast. And she's like, no, do it over. I'm like, mom, you can't see from there. She's like, no, it's wrong. Do it over. So um, even though it takes a little longer, you have to do it right. Mm. And so that's what something that my mom told me. Do whatever you do. Um, do it start from finish. Do it carefully and do it right so you don't have to do it again. So it's really rare for my clients to bring their garments back to me. And I learned that from my mom since I was four. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, since you were four years old. And mm-hmm. and you said that is in one of your books? Uh, about the burial process, yes. It's, it's called Yangban Burial Process. But the sewing part, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I put that on. <laughs> yeah. But the whole burial process. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because it's certainly, certainly that would totally shape how you feel about death and dying as just a part of the cycle of life. I mean, I'm just just imagining the the life of difference it is when you are enculturated with acceptance and nothing else except acceptance and planning and expectation for dying. It must be really um, searching for a word. It'd be kind of scary for some people if you don't know where you're going. Um, but I was taught as a kid that the minute you're born, you're going to die. Just like the, my mom told me, just like the shadow or the flowers, one and morning it blossoms, in the evening it withers. And she said, life is like that. And so, yeah, she never spanked me or <laughs> raised her voice. She always spoke to me in parables. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a teenager and I would say something negative about negative or something mean about my sisters and she would say lie down and I say why she goes lie down and I would and she said spit and I'm like no I'm not gonna spit because it will come back to me she goes that's right don't talk about your siblings or your family because it will come back to you Mm. he spoke to me wow wow so So yeah yeah something any anything I say something or think of something negative about my children or my spouse or sibling, I just kind of like hold my tongue because I remember what my mom <laughs> said. <laughs> how, how many sisters do you have? I have um, four sisters and one brother. And they, uh, they uh, did they all learn how to sew the same thing, the same way? I, I, my, not my brother, um, my sisters, but they're not as good because sewing, you have to be patient. And um, it's an art too. And so, I don't know. My mom told me that I have the gift to visualize um, a piece or and put together. And my sisters are all in a rush to get things done. And it was, with sewing, you can't rush things. You have to kind of think of each client or since I mostly work with the brides, they're so unique, so beautiful. And they, she also told me the wedding dress itself is dead, but the person or the bride who's wearing it is alive mm-hmm. in its form of energy. So she told me to like pay attention to each bride's um, energy. And it's so true. And so you just mar- um, fit or pin the way the body. Ch- so I don't even really have to um, tell the bride what, unless they ask me, I just, usually I would say 90 
percent or 95 percent of my brides usually come in and say genie i don't know what to do just tell me just make it fit right for me and so i just pay attention to the body and i start from the head you know from the shoulder and go all the way down so i don't even hem until the last minute and i just pay attention to the bodies and a lot of the women's um one shoulder is higher than the other mm -hmm. or this one sleeve or one arm is longer than the others and so you just pay attention to all that and just focus on each bride as they're the most beautiful most unique person which is true and so i try to make it like it's custom fit and it's a lot of work and it takes average about 25 hours to work on the dress mm. sometimes longer um but it's worth it and the brides come in and they just love it because you're you're working not just any dresses you're working on wedding dresses and it is so important to them you know like birth and marriage and death those three things are really important in human um, lives in all cultures i think um so i think about that and making sure that the, each bride i um make it to fit them and they feel the most beautiful <laughs> yeah and i and i don't let them leave until they're happy mm. i don't want them to come back or um I don't want to waste their time and my time, so I just want to make sure um, they don't leave here until it fits, and that they don't leave until they know how to bustle, you know, French or American bustle, because a lot of the times when you're at a wedding or a reception and you want to dance and your dress is not bustled, right? And it's stressful, so I make sure I teach them how to do that before they leave. What is bustling? I don't even know what bustling is. Yeah, so many wedding dresses in the Western Western dresses have a long train, um, and after the ceremony and the pictures, they can't just walk around with a long train, right? So we have to bustle them, and mm. then there's two ways to bustle, which is French or an American bustle, and the French bustle goes under the skirt, and American bustle goes over the skirt, so that they could walk and they could dance, and so. <laughs> So is it carrying it? Do they carry it or is it pinned up? It's uh, it's um, not pinned up. It's, uh, well, I guess it is pinned up by hook and eye with pearls. I see. I mm -hmm. see. Yeah, I could well, I'd never heard that. Few, but I have so many right now. I have 54 wedding dresses I'm working on right now. Wow. <laughs> yep, and they're from all over the Bay Area in San Diego and I had a bride from Chicago and Florida and three from Houston this summer and then Tahoe. I have it from all over, but from Bay Area, since San Francisco, they they find me through Google. So it's pretty amazing. <laughs> right. And I bet uh, through word of mouth, there must be so many recommendations of you. <laughs> yeah. Through their mothers or sisters or aunts or their friends. So I'm, I'm so honored. And I want to get back more to um, your writing, but I also would like to mention that you were, for almost three years, you were on a multicultural forum for the Yolo County District Attorney's Office. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I just wanted to um, bring that into the conversation and ask what was the, what was the task of the multicultural forum for, for the DA's? Yeah, so Multicultural Community Council, and we call it the mm -hmm. MCC, uh, was created by our District Attorney Jeff Resick and Dr. Je uh, Jesse Ortiz, I believe. And it was to uh, facilitate conversation between Yolo County residents um, and the DA DA's office to get um, understanding of the criminal justice system um, uh, for like racial and social inequality. Mm -hmm. so, 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 I was on, mm, so in any way, can you sort of give us an idea of like what you did, like you helped people that connect in the community or get to know each other community or you educated uh, so the I was, law enforcement yeah, so, side or? Yeah, so I'm not, so most of the council, I mean, the members are like attorneys, I guess, lawyers, and I don't have a background in law. So I was really surprised that they invited me. Um, but they felt like Jonathan Raven, the deputy district attorney, uh, is the one that 
I guess invited and also Jeff invited me too. And they felt that um, it would be um, helpful for me to be part of the council to help out. But it was, um, I don't, I learned a lot from them more than. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They learned from me, I think, um, because I just, I, I guess I didn't have the law background or the criminal background, so I, I was... I was really fascinated, um, but they wanted to make sure um, that we, um, the DA, I mean, I, the DA's office um, was um, fair because there were some rumors about um, targeting African-Americans or the Latinos or, I mean, the um, Hispanics. Um, so they just want to make sure that we, they wanted to hear from the outside. But for me, it's an Asian American, so I represent a Korean and Japanese American. Mm -hmm. But usually Jap the Asi uh, Asian communities don't have that much crime. So um, I just felt like I didn't have too much to give. Um, but one thing I told them about Asian culture that you may not have known is that uh, we were taught not to have a direct eye contact. So in America they think that if you don't look at someone's eyes directly, that you're hiding something mm. and that you're not telling the truth, right? But mm. in my culture, if you do that, that's considered disrespect. Mm. And so we, when we're talking to authorities like the police officers or um, your parents or your teachers or professors, we can't look at their eyes directly because then you're being disrespectful. So I, sh I brought that to the the MCC. So they thought it was interesting because they didn't know. So now that when they, uh, you know, arrest some Asians, they might not want to look at them and they might think, oh, wow, this guy is probably, or her is hiding something, but now they probably will think twice. Right. So that's mm. something that I brought it to their attention. But, yeah, that one little piece of information I'm sure makes a big difference for a lot of people. Mm. That's mm -hmm. so important. Yep. Yeah, and I learned a lot from them. I mean, they worked really hard. Um, before I would look at the district attorney's office, like, so afraid, or the police officers, like, I've been afraid, like, I don't know, you just get nervous when they approach you, right? But then I realized they were just down to earth, very humble, hardworking. Um, um, Jeff and Jonathan and all the other board members were very, very open and helpful and very concerned for the community. So I I really appreciated the experience. I'm sure they appreciated your input. <laughs> so. so what what brought you what brought you to Yolo County? Well, I married to my husband who has a, a family farm for the family corporation, Nishikawa Farms Incorporation. And they were farming in Yolo County in Solano since I believe 1950. Um, so I met him at my business in Elk Grove and he just graduated from UC Davis. And then he, I guess his dad told him not, not to come to the farm. Actually back by the time we were dating, they were just, uh, slowing down their farm. Hmm. Um, cause they were farming since the 1950s, but they still run the corporation. And he want my father-in-law wanted my husband to be closer to him and help run the family farm. So we uh, we moved to Davis. And what what were they growing? What was the farm? Um, tomatoes. I believe they're growing mostly field crops like corn, wheat, um, sugar bees. I believe, and all around Davis, and. Um, I think their last property was in South Davis, um, but yes, they farm. I 
think mostly for hunts, hunts and Campbell's mm -hmm. uh, tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you, you said you still love gardening. So do you have your own gardens right? Do you have time to even uh, think about gardening? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a must. Um, I do, we live in about a third of an acre here in Davis. Um, so I have fruit trees all around from start, from front to the back. I have fruit trees everywhere. And then right now I'm growing um, tomatoes, cucumbers, um, eggplants, bell peppers, jalapeno peppers, um, squash, Korean squash, zucchinis. Um, it's hard. So sometimes after I sow until like one or two o'clock in the morning, I wear a headlamp and then go and water the plants. Um, so that's what I did today too. It's a mm. moss. So I could be connected to the earth, connected mm. to, to my mom and yeah. my dad. And my dad taught me, he passed away last year. And um, before mm. he passed away, he taught me how to farm and how to do things for like 11 months before he died. Um, wow. Oh, and I was also growing uh, sesame seeds right now or perella which mm. is kind of like a wild sesame seed. And that's something I would like to go back to farm within five years to mm. um, uh, produce perella uh, or mm. uh, wild sesame oil. It's something that I'm planning to do right now. So I'm doing some a little bit of minor research at my mm. own little <laughs> farm land that we have. Wow. So you would grow enough sesame seeds to press into oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we are surrounded by olives, I figure somebody would know how to <laughs> press um, sesame oil. I mean, I have I know how to do it, but we do it manually by with a wood uh, wood press. But hopefully, I could find somebody who could do it. If not, we could probably build one. But that's something that is my long term goal or five year goal or five year dream to produce my um, sesame oil to. Um, target the um, Asian Americans in the United States. Mm, nice. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm. And planning. yeah, speaking speaking of dreams, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, t tell us about your your path of of following your dreams. Mm. And did you have? Did it feel like it unfolded naturally because you? You just, you just farming, it was in your genes, in your hands, um, designing and sewing all your life. But how did you turn it into a business and how did you become so successful? Hmm. I just love some, I guess my parents never like typical Asian families, like you have to be a doctor, lawyer, an engineer. Uh, my parents just said, you know, we're not educated. Um, we don't have the financial resource to help educate all six children. And that's the main reason why we, were, we immigrated to the United States. Because mm -hmm. back in South Korea, if, until early 80s, um, there were only private schools. Uh, the public mm -hmm. school in South Korea wasn't even not established until, I believe, um, yeah, mid-80s, maybe 90, early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and so my dad my parents brought us to this country to, because my dad for some reason knew that the English language would be an international language at the time. Um, back then we, uh, we had to learn, Chinese was our second language. First was Korean and then Chinese uh, was our second language. Now English second language. But before that for, I don't know, for hundreds of years, um, yeah, we had to learn Chinese. Um, <laughs> And so my dad, my parents never told us to, they told me just go after what you want to do. And I love fashion. So I study fashion. And um, so I'm telling my kids the same thing, follow your dreams because then your soul will be content. And while before you're, you have obligations like spouses or children to take care of, you should go after your dreams. And if it fails, then at least you won't blame anyone, right? You'll say, I tried. And then you could go back to do what you need to do to survive and support your family. So I just think it's important. So the three things I love is fashion, textile, you know, right? Then I love to read and write. And then third, I love to, um, I don't know, f grow things, farm. And that's just something that we need to do to survive. We need to eat. So yeah. 
I'm just doing all three things I love. Yeah. That is wonderful. And then um, the main uh, purpose of uh, continue, uh, continuing to design is the, the money that I make from here. The majority of it does go to feed the um, orphanages in African, uh, 55 African countries. Not all 55. Right now, I think I have like 13 countries that I support um, with the money that I make here. And then I'm building a school in Tanzania right now in a city called Umbea uh, to honor my mom. So that's what I'm doing. And something, and yeah, because I remember coming to this country in 1978 and watching a TV and they were showing us some um, TV with all these African babies with the big bellies. And they were supposed to be around my age and I was so shocked to see a big belly and because I always I grew up on a farm so I never felt poor or hungry so I just mm -hmm. couldn't understand so I thought you know if I have money someday then I would love to go to Africa and and um, feed the kids but I back then I thought Africa was one country I didn't know there are many different countries I believe there's 55 and South Sudan is the youngest country right because South Sudan and North Sudan was divided right recently and, and some people consider it one big country mm -hmm. but i didn't know as a kid I just yeah. it was one country but i didn't know there are many countries um so in 2019 i had the opportunity to go to tanzania and visit the country and um, tour some of the orphanages so it was just an honor um and i was so surprised i didn't see babies with big tummies <laughs> there were abundance of food and it was pretty amazing, but still they have some orphanages up in Arusa, which is near uh, Kilimanjaro. And so I have one orphanage there. There's, I believe there's between 25 and 27 um, children at the ages of uh, newborn to 18 that has AIDS. Mm -hmm. So I send money there yearly for them to buy soap. We think we, they want soup, like um, food, but actually they want soap. They want soap and shampoos and um, really basic things. I was really surprised. So yeah, they could buy soaps. <laughs> so there, there are thirteen different schools or well, organizations. Thirteen different orphanages. Yeah. So I have one child in Mali, which is in West Africa. Um, in Ghana, I work with Dr. Nishiki. I send her money for that particular uh, when she's helping with animals. Because in Africa, in many countries, the United States think of their pets like, you know, cats and dogs, like their like your family members, right? But in many third world countries, it's life and death. They don't have luxury to have pets and have mm -hmm. pet food. I think the United States might be the only country that has, I was so shocked with pet food, right? And so um, they don't think of uh, cats and dogs as their family members they think of them as a guard or especially dog as a guard dog I guess mm -hmm. and when I was in Tanzania dogs were in cages not the monkeys monkeys were running around all over and the dogs were in cages I thought it was strange and then mm -hmm. uh, when I went to Zanzibar Island which is between Madagascar and Tanzania they didn't have any dogs I said what happened they said oh this is uh, Zanzibar is about 97% Muslim and we we don't have dogs. We have we could have cats, but not dogs. So I thought that was really interesting. But mm -hmm. yeah, I visited an orphanage in Morogoro, which is another city. Um, and then I have Uga uh, two schools or in Uganda that I work with. Uh, one, um, I guess, a gentleman that I met. Um, he's deaf. So he helps, um, I think he has a radio channel or TV show now that teaches uh, sign language in in, uh, in Uganda. So whenever he asks me to send money, I, I also send money there. And then I also support two orphanages in uh, Madagascar. Um, yes. And send food and they, um, I would send them money and I work with uh, one young lady there and she buys the food like um, chicken or um, rice and vegetables and she goes and visits them and then I also help like in South Africa you'd be surprised but in South Africa it's the girls they don't have money for men's um, female feminine 
menstrual pads.、Mm-hmm. It's about food or or menstrual pads, and they usually use paper, newspaper, and leaves, right? But we are so blessed with so many inexpensive tampons and menstrual pads, right? In Africa, in South Africa, and many African countries, they don't have that、um, luxury. I don't know if you knew that. So I I try to help with that, and then、um, in Ethiopia,、um, I work with one、uh, heart surgeon.、Um, with、uh, whenever he asks me for money, I I will send money there. Uh, with children who's dying of cancer, so they could they could be closer to the hospital, so、uh, with their child. So I do that, and just by sending two hundred fifty dollars, the a couple families could、um, stay near the hospital with their child for like two、mm. months.、Um, the U.S. dollar goes so far, so I do things like that. Was that? Would you say that's part of your was your upbringing is giving and、um, supporting people who. Have needs that are unmet that you learn about. Just, probably just by watching my mom, service. I think service is really important. But my mom just, especially where I'm from, it's yesan, y e s a n. So in South Korea, everybody knows the people from yesan, which is north, two hours north,、uh, west of Seoul or Seoul, which is the capital of South Korea. Are that's where the、um, noble families live, straight, ninety degrees from the, the palace.、Um, I and my mom taught me to just give, and、um, when you have strangers, so people again, South Koreans know that hey, you're from Yesan. Oh my goodness, you guys are very generous people. I think that's what we're known for: generous people.、Mm. Even if strangers come in town, we would bring them in and feed them, and and.、Um, Give them like if I take my friends to drop me off to see my relatives. When we leave, my uncles or aunts will give them boxes of sweet potatoes and acorn jellos and fresh tofu's and、um, sesame oils or tomatoes. Whatever they have, they would just give freely to my friends that dropped me off. Yeah, so very giving. Wow.、Yes. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> That that I imagine if if you, there would be an absence、uh, for you in your life if you weren't giving,、mm-hmm. <laughs> given given one, the way they.、Mm-hmm. And one other thing, my mom told me to do is when you give someone, give the best, like the produce or straw. I mean fruits.、Uh, my mom would pick the prettiest and the freshest one, and she'll give it to、um, her neighbors, and she'll eat the. Non, you know, with spots or a little bit older or whatever, she'll eat them. But the prettiest and the freshest ones, she'll give it to the others. So I, I, I do the same thing. Yeah,、so、that's the key. My mom told me to do, and then also told us never to pick, not even a fruit from a farm or a tree from neighbors because that's considered stealing. So I remember my mom telling me that. So I. I told my kids that, so hopefully they're not picking any fruits or flowers from <laughs> farm or garden. Yeah, give the best. Wow, I I I did. I have not been to the my father's country of origin, but it's、um, bringing back images and I've seen of、uh, his family had a lot of fruit trees, orchards, and they did actually have olive trees and press oil. <laughs> and.、Uh, That's when you're talking about pressing、uh, sesame seeds and sesame oil. I was picturing these old oil pressing machines. <laughs> oh yeah, you can go back if you can. Yeah, if possible, but you should be、uh, yeah. back. I would love to. <laughs> well, there's so many more questions I want to ask you, but I wanted to make sure I tapped more into your writing. I'm curious when you write something. Do you originally write it in you in your first language, or do you write it? What language well, do you write in? I write in English, even though English is my second language. I dream in English, so that's why the title of the book is "Dream in English," because when I was in seventh grade, one of my friend asked me, "Do you dream in English or Korean?" And I didn't even think about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until that moment. So I went home and thought about it, and then before I went to bed, and I. 
thought about it. And the next time I had a dream, I noticed I was dreaming in English because I remember dreaming in Korea, Korean. But then after, I would say I started dreaming in English probably around、um, six months after I arrived to this country. And I have never went back dreaming in Korean.、Hmm, I've tried. I tried. But I haven't yet. So, but someone says if you dream in, in a new language, then you have mastered the language. But I don't think I have because English is such a complicated language to me.、Um, because there are some words that you have to pronounce the way it spells, or sometimes you have, because especially in English,、um, in Korean, we don't have pronouns、um, or articles.、Oh, oh, mm-hmm. So that was challenging. So my、um, editors or my. My husband, when they read, read the, the original、um, book, they're like, hey, you forgot this and that. And it's something that I didn't even think about. And then there are some words that you, there is no translation from Korean to English.、Mm. Like, for example, when you're describing、uh, the flavor or the smell of sesame oil, in Korean we say kosohada, but in English there is no.、Um, Translation. I even spoke with some of the、uh, linguists or professors, and they said, No, we don't have a word for that, which is fascinating.、Um, so、it only, is fascinating. The, the only closest word that I could find was mellow、hmm. to describe、hmm. the, the, the flavor of sesame oil.、Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. But yes, and I usually write title first, and then、hmm. I break it down in the chapters, and then that's how I write. And that's how I wrote my book. Wow. And it, has it gotten translated? Yes. Your book? Oh, oh, yes. I published three books.、Um, and tell, can you tell us the titles of your books right now? Yeah, they're all Dreaming English or it's just second edition. And then I translated the, my first book to Korean. So, yeah, so it's selling in Korea right now, English or the Korean version and the English version. I haven't really focused on selling my books because I've been so busy with the design <laughs> work. <laughs> They, it、yeah. sounds fascinating. So I just want to make sure I understand you've written three books or are there three editions of Dreaming in English?、Oh, yes, we're, yes, I guess so. Yes, first edition and the second edition, and then、okay. translation. Yes. And then I am writing a,、okay. a novel called My Sister's Secret. So I finished about three chapters. So hopefully I'll finish before I die. Wow. It's a mystery book. I'm working on a novel. And then I was working on a cookbook with my mom before she passed away. But cookbook is hard. Not only, I just thought, oh, you take a picture and you write the,、um, <laughs> the ingredients and you put it together. But no, you've got to do measurements and you know, it has to be consistent. So I'm going to hold <laughs> off on that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be hard. Yeah, we only have 24 hours a day, and I wish, there were, <laughs> I wish there were 50 hours a day, then I could do all the things I love to do.、Uh, <laughs> Sounds like you get a lot in.、Mm-hmm. Um, well, we just have like a couple minutes left. Do you want to、um, share like a, a closing message? And then also, I would love you to say out loud how people can reach you on social media for those who are listening and can't see the. Banner that DJs streaming across.、Mm, so, what's、think. your thought? I know you wanted to call this Follow Your Dreams. Yeah, definitely follow、um, your dreams,、uh, especially when you're young, especially during the recession when a lot of young folks, or even it doesn't, it's never too late to go after your dreams.、Um, not just think about working for others, but think about the things that you could create and things you love to do that could turn into a business. Um, I think that's important to do during recession or challenging times.、Um, but I would say, well, we have only one body, one life, right? So take care of yourself by eating well,、mm-hmm. think positive, surround yourself with positive people,、um, be genuine, be honest to others, but be honest to yourself. Then you could sleep at night at peace,、mm. <laughs> peaceful sleep.、Um, <laughs> and then I would say,、uh, Hmm. Definitely service to others. Serve, try to serve people. And then listen to your inner voice. Like, I, that's what I would say. And then、um, 
prepare to make mistakes because you learn、mm. from mistakes. If you think you're perfect or do things perfect,、um, you're not. You're not going to learn. So most things that I learn in life is from mistakes that I made, and try not、For、to、sure. do it again.、Mm -hmm. That is the best way to learn. <laughs> and then the last thing my mom did said to me before she died is say what you want to say and do what you want to do. In this country, we still have freedom freedom of speech, so we can.、Um, Say what you want to say. I mean, well, think twice before you say. Make sure you say positive things、yeah. to encourage people,、uh, and not try to put people down. Because、um, you don't know、point. what they're going through, right? They might、That's、have just、right. their spouse, or I mean, just anything. They might have lost job. So,、um, um, just be well, patient. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you. Really appreciate.、Uh -huh. Your time, your energy, your service to, to other people, towards other people, your generous giving to orphanages and different places for different reasons, and for your beautiful designs. And I can't wait to get your book. And if people want to reach Jeannie, it's at designed by, underscore by underscore Jeannie J E A N N I A. And I want to thank the everyone for listening and for watching, and our producer and our engineer. And I want to say,、um, be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern at W4CY or Talk4 TV. And、um, may we all have enriching conversations in diversity this week. Talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier. About extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino. dot com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.